Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense, common knowledge, or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do, but only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Before we begin, a note from our sponsor. I'm Richard Jacobs, Executive Director of the nonprofit Finding Genius Foundation and host of the Finding Genius Podcast. In late 2016, I was rear-ended at 65 miles an hour by a truck on the highway, which sent me off-road into a ditch. The impact of the collision gave me a concussion and other injuries. At the hospital, a CT scan showed that I had thyroid nodules, which turned out to be cancer. It was then, when I had a biopsy in my neck, that I realized, even if I was a millionaire, I wouldn't want a second or a third biopsy due to the pain and the invasiveness of it. And appointments at that time for thyroid experts were three to six months out. And I was worried about dying now, even if that was irrational. So because of this, I've decided to raise money to conduct a literature review on steroids, on the causes of anxiety and depression, a condition that affects well over 50 million people in the United States and hundreds of millions worldwide. Our goal is to create a codex, a guide that reveals all possible treatments for anxiety and depression for people that live with the condition or for loved ones that have it, as my wife and my son do. To find out more about our fundraiser, visit FindingGeniusFoundation.org and click on Current Initiatives. And now, to our guest. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. Um, my guest today is from, from Australia, Tanya DeYoung. She's one of Australia's most successful female entrepreneurs, a performer and an innovator. She's developed six businesses and three charities, three decades. Uh, she works across public, private, creative, and social sectors. She founded Creativity Australia, Creative Universe, MTA Entertainment and Events, The Song Room, and she works with disadvantaged communities as well throughout Australia. So, Tanya, thanks for coming. Pleasure. It's um, an honor to be on your program. I've seen some of the shows, and I think what you do is fantastic. So thank you for all you do in the world. Well, I appreciate it. Well, tell me about that. Are you an opera singer? Um, tell me about your history with singing. Yeah, so I first started to want to sing I guess when I was eight, you know in my early teens and I thought I had a pretty strong voice and um, I really wanted to start singing lessons and we couldn't start singing lessons till we were 14 years old at my school and so when I turned 14 my best girlfriend started having singing lessons and so I, I went round to her house one night after school and asked her if she could teach me a song she'd been learning at singing lessons I was very envious of you know this and so we sang this song together a few times and then she said, I'll play the piano, you sing on your own now, you know, when she thought I'd learnt it. And so she played, I sang, and at the end of the song she said, you should never bother having singing lessons, you're not good enough. And I, so, I, I hate when people say that stuff. I know. And so, you know, I was 14, I believed her, and um, the next year I did the props and backstage in the school musical. And then finally in year 11, I auditioned for the chorus of the musical Oklahoma. And to my amazement, mm. I got the lead role. <laughs> and um, yeah, it taught me a really important lesson that you should never let anyone snatch your dream away. And um, of course, singing has been really a defining part of 
my career and my life. And unfortunately, though, you know, most of our voices have been silenced at, at one time or another, you know, either as a young child in teenage years or, or later in life. And, you know, we've either been told that we're not a good singer or we're not creative or, you know, somebody has... Right told us these sorts of things. I'm sure that all of your listeners now will be nodding in agreement. And yet our voice is the language of our hearts. It's really how we express ourselves in the world. And if our voice is silenced, then we're not fully expressing ourselves in the world. And of course, we know that tribes have sung and danced together to build strength and ward off enemies since since the beginning of human civilization. Singing is one of those tools of community and expression that has been with us right from the beginning. It's part of our human DNA. And I talk a lot more about this in my TED Talk, how singing together changes the brain. And one of the really important things about singing as well is that there's an incredible amount now of neuroscientific research on the benefits of singing, particularly when you sing with other people. The right temporal lobe of your brain fires up, making you smarter, healthier happier, more creative. It improves your memory, language and concentration. People who sing together, not only do they breathe together, but their hearts start to beat together, which I think is a really beautiful piece of research. The neuroplasticity of our brains. And we also connect more with the right side of our brain, the right hemisphere of our brain, which is responsible for our intuition and our creativity and imagination and really is like our human battery charger. The right side of our brain connects us to one another and all that is, whereas the left side, where we're spending like about 85% of our time nowadays being overwhelmed by facts and figures, keeps us separate from others and we become, the more time we spend in the left side of our brain being overwhelmed by facts and figures and this barrage of information, the more isolated we become, the more lonely and depressed we become. So it's very, very important for us to to nurture these sort of right side brain attributes and singing and dancing are, are one way, but they're not the only way, obviously, you know, there's meditation and walking in nature and hugging. Well, our quick, quick question here. Have you worked with Aboriginal people in Australia and like sang any of their music or performed with them? I've worked with a lot of indigenous cultures, not just in Australia, but also overseas, but um, the Australians have the song lines, but they don't tend to sing as much as some of the other Indigenous cultures, like, say, in the South Pacific, in Fiji and Vanuatu. I mean, literally, when you arrive in those sorts of countries, all of the locals are welcoming you and singing in harmony together. And in the churches every Sunday, they're all singing together and no one's going, am I good enough? You know, they're all just, it's part of their, as I say, part of their DNA, part of their culture. But in Western countries, we've lost some of that tradition around singing together and we tend to become very judgmental, which is what led to the comment of my girlfriend and which also, you know, comes out of reality TV shows and this sort of um, worship of celebrities, you know, and we compare ourselves to celebrities rather than actually celebrating our own unique voice. And every single person out there has a unique creative voice. And I don't just mean, you know, that we're all singers or dancers or poets, but I mean that all of us are born creative. Picasso said we're all born creative. The challenge is to remain creative as we get older. So what, um, I don't know, has there been a performance that you've put on or you've observed that, you know, it there was such an emotional response that you were just like blown away by it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen some extraordinary performances. I've been 
very lucky to see performances of both operas in traditional, you know, opera houses and concert halls, but also outdoors and under the stars. And also I've, you know, performed professionally a lot for a long time as well myself. And I have a group called Potpourri and um, it's four singers and a pianist and we perform all over the world at special events and concert halls and outdoors under the stars and in really unusual venues as well as traditional venues. And, you know, I still go on the stage with, with my group and I still get goosebumps when we sing together. It's just so beautiful to be singing with people in harmony. And you realise that, you know, all the separation and division and isolation that, that we can feel in this world, which is very divided at the moment, that when you come together with others and share your voice and your gifts and your unique, I, I guess, your unique um, sense of expression, that miracles can happen and you can transform people and unite people. And I think that happens when we go to magical live performances and uh, or when we perform with others ourselves and I really encourage everyone to to sing with other people and dance with other people it's a really beautiful way to just transcend normal everyday life and find some of your genius and some of your creativity and magic. Well have you created um, a charity or singing groups or like what, what have you done in the worlds of singing to you know to go beyond yourself and you performing I mean it sounds like you've performed Absolutely. with many other groups. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. Yeah, yeah. well, so with my charities, I've, I founded three charities. Um, the first one I founded over 20 years ago called The Song Room. And I did that on the back of finding some research from the Fulbright Foundation, which showed that young people who participate in music and singing and creativity, it can help level the playing field for people from disadvantaged backgrounds. And so now um, the Song Room, my first charity, has brought the joy of singing and creative arts uh, to over a million Australian children in disadvantaged schools, primary and secondary schools all around Australia. And that's been wonderful because it's leveled uh, the playing field for for a lot of children, and 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 the song room has worked with a lot of Indigenous schools as well to improve their their outcomes in numeracy and literacy. And just some of the research that has been done on the programs has shown that many more of the kids have actually gone to to school as a result of the program, so they want to be there. And then my second charity, Creativity Australia, and the With One Voice program, we've set up over thirty With One Voice inclusion choirs around Australia that bring together haves and have nots so fortunate people like us with like so doctors lawyers teachers retirees with less fortunate people job seekers people with depression and disabilities people who are older or younger people at risk people with depression a range of disabilities to come together in weekly social inclusion choirs these with one voice choirs that 
not only sing together, but share supper and share a wish list program. And so through the neuroscientific benefits of singing, people become more generous in their hearts. They feel more connected. And then we have this program where anyone can make a wish in their choirs and it could be, you know, finding accommodation, learning English, learning the internet, someone to walk to the station with, someone to water your garden, whatever it happens to be. And the wishes are read out at each of the choir rehearsals each week around Australia. And then people put up their hands and start granting one another's wishes. So over 4,000 wishes have been granted so far, which has led to people getting jobs, getting mentors. We've had marriages. Many people have been able to go off their antidepressants. I call it the weekly miracle. It's just a, a beautiful program. And it just celebrates the incredible neuroscientific benefits of singing in communities to build greater social cohesion and, and improve well-being. Where have you seen group song used? Is it Has it been used like at work or just family functions? Like where have people used it that surprised even you? Well, you know, I mean, I myself have sung, you know, at the tops of mountains and on beaches and, you know, and nowadays, of course, many people um, that we've inspired and, you know, I've had roomfuls of accountants and bankers, you know, that you wouldn't think would sing together or engineers and through a lot of the team building work that um, we've been able to do with, with corporations, we've had all those people sing at the tops of their lungs in three-part harmony with actions, African gospel songs. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think people actually genuinely love singing and they just want to do more of it and not be judged for it and that it's a, a vehicle for them to find more of their own creativity and connect with others. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, wh- where do you want to take it at this point? Like what, <laughs> what do you see as uh, the next step for, you know, bringing singing, group singing to more people? Well, we're continuing to expand our With One Voice Creativity Australia programs. And we set up a social franchise just a few years ago where now any community group that wants to set up a With One Voice choir can use some of our out, uh, you know, open source tools. So we've set up a whole how-to guide and we've got a mentoring helpline and video tutorials and things that help people to create sustainable community with One Voice programs. So that's one way that we're, you know, expanding our programs exponentially and sharing some of the learnings that we've found over the years because a lot of choirs that do exist around tend to have people who are very alike singing together. So it might be, you know, a group of older people or just a group of men or a group of just people with disabilities or just African people singing together or whatever it happens to be. But to actually unite people so that really diverse voices come together. I speak a lot in uh, both in my TED talk and in general about the power of what I call positive human collisions. That is, you know, we spend a lot of time with people who are just like us know, dress like us, similar financial and educational backgrounds, and they agree with us and we feel safe and we feel good about being with people like that. But our greatest gains are when we connect with people who are really different from us, who challenge us, who disagree with us, and it can feel very uncomfortable. But it's in that space where you start to see another person's perspective and gain some empathy for that. But also that sort of tends to trigger what is called creative abrasion. It's really at that intersection where we do feel uncomfortable and go out of our comfort zone, the true creativity and innovation can spark. And that's really what happens in our weekly choirs is that 
we're bringing together who are really diverse and different. They're having positive human collisions. They start to realize that they're, you know, more alike than different and some of the differences vanish away, but also some amazingly creative ideas pop up. For example, the Wishlist program that I just mentioned earlier was dreamed up by one of our conductors in one of our Sydney with one voice choirs who used to just put out a yellow, you know, manila envelope every week and say, look, if you've got a little wish, just stick your little piece of paper in my yellow envelope and I'll read them out. And that became the wish list program that we now have replicated across all our programs and forms the base of the way we help people to connect to what they need without money changing hands. So if you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. What do you, what do you mean? Yeah. What is the wish list program? Do, do people in a singing group, you know, like, I guess donate or gift uh, what one person in the group needs when they're in trouble? Yeah. I mean, what really happens there is that people make wishes to one another for whatever they need in life. Like I mentioned a little earlier. So it might be, I want to find a mentor or I need help with my resume or I'd like to meet a partner or I want to learn how to use the internet. I want someone to walk my dog while I'm away. There's a whole range of wishes that are read out each week by wish list volunteers in each of our choirs. And then people put up their hands and start to grant one another's wishes. And over 4,000 wishes have been granted through our wish list program. And we've helped thousands of people get jobs, work experience. Um, we've had marriages and many people have been able to go off um, their medications and just connect with their with their local community. It's it's really beautiful to see that happen. Yeah, that's really cool. What what are some of the wishes that um I don't know you were surprised by or you thought were super cool? Well I think it's super cool that though we're not a dating agency, um, you know, we've had some marriages. So that was, you know, an unintended but fantastic consequence of the wish list. I um one of the, my most favorite stories is of a girl called Annabelle who joined the choir when she was 30. And she'd been looking for a job for, for a number of years. And um, when she heard about the wish list, she straight away wanted to get help with her resume. So one of the senior executives helped her with a resume. And as a result of that, um, she then did get a job. But it was in a, a call centre that we're doing, you know, getting paid by the government to employ people who had a disability. And so she was let go exactly eight weeks after she started, after they got their subsidy. And she came back to choir and she was really upset. She was crying and she made another wish to get another job. And there was a small business owner there that night. And they said, Annabelle, you know, give me a call and I'll see if I can help you. And Annabelle called thinking, you know, it's going to be a volunteering role. But the lady offered her a job as her assistant for three days a week. And Annabelle held that job for three years, which was the longest she'd ever had a job for. And during that time, she lost a lot of her victimhood and became this, you know, she, she became a, vic, a victor. She started helping others in the choir who were less fortunate than her. She became the wish list volunteer of the choir. So she started reading the wishes out at, at choir each week and helped grant the wishes of others. And then she earned enough money so she could actually subsidize the memberships of some of the other members of the choir who were less fortunate than her. So. It's this beautiful circle of reciprocity that happens that you start to help people who are less fortunate and they start to help people who are less fortunate than them. And it just goes around and around this beautiful circle of giving. It's, um, yeah, it truly is a weekly miracle. 
No, that's very cool. If, if someone wants to start a choir and they're in the U.S. or Canada or you know some other country, uh, do you have materials to help them do that, or what should they do? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they just go to creativityaustralia.org.au and uh, reach out to us, and we've helped quite a lot of people in other countries start with One Voice programs. We've had some in the, in, in in Europe and in the U.S. and We'd love to help people uh, wherever they're based to start a With One Voice program. Is there a listing, too, of where existing programs are? You know, so if someone yeah, lives yeah. in Florida or whatever, they can look one up? Yeah, we don't have one in Florida right now. But, yeah, you can see all the ones in Australia. And um, we're more than happy to help people in, in other states and nations to to start them up as well. I, you know, I really believe that together we can change the world one voice at a time. Yeah, that's super cool. I don't know what's what's next for you in this regard. Uh, just getting more and more chapters or groups up and running, or is there a bigger overarching goal? You know, I have a lot of projects on the go right now. I I don't know if I mentioned to you, but you know, I'm the daughter and granddaughter of Holocaust survivors, and my grandmother invented the very first foldable umbrella in Vienna in 1929. And um, next year we're going to have the world premiere of Driftwood, the musical, which tells her story and the story of my mother and their escape from the Nazis in in the Holocaust and how they rebuilt their lives as creative artists. So that's a really exciting project that we're working on at the moment, this world premiere of Driftwood the Musical. And then my other projects coming up are um, really related to Mind Medicine Australia, which is my third charity, which is a charity which is dedicated to expanding the tools available to doctors and their patients through ensuring that psychedelic-assisted therapies become available and accessible to all people who are who need them, who are suffering with mental illnesses in medically controlled environments. And psychedelic-assisted therapies have been having extraordinary outcomes in hundreds of trials around the world. And I'm talking here about psilocybin, the psychoactive component of magic mushrooms, and MDMA, which unfortunately is known as ecstasy in the, you know, in the recreational scene, but in its pure pharma grade form is extremely safe and very effective and is helping people with post-traumatic stress disorder and depression and a range of addictions recover and go into complete remission from their mental illnesses. So we're seeing that people are being cured by these medicines in combination with therapy after just two to three medicinal sessions with a short course of psychotherapy and this is really also helping people to um, improve their creativity, their productivity and their genius. And people are starting to use these medicines a lot in entrepreneurial communities as well, even though the medicines are not legal in many places around the world at the moment. But in many countries around the world, they also are legal and have been used by Indigenous people and religious communities since the beginning of human civilization, similar to singing. The singing and psychedelics have been around since the beginning of human civilizations, but both of them have had their moments and uh, singing has a lot of people, you know, don't want to sing or sing alone or sing together at all. And similarly, we have this ridiculous stigma and taboo around psychedelics in, in some places. And at the moment, we're just breaking down that through focusing on the data and science that underpins these incredible medicines that had the potential to cure millions of people around the world from treatment-resistant conditions that cause an enormous amount of suffering and suicides that could be avoidable. Well, very good, Tanya. Um, I mean, it sounds like we have to have you back for some of this other work that you do because <laughs> of so many things, but 
for now. Yeah, I'd love to come back way? on and speak about um, the medicines further. Maybe next year it would be fab- fabulous to, to explain more about them. Yeah, definitely. In the meantime, where can listeners go to start to engage with all your work? What's a, like a common source yeah. they can go to? Well, a few websites. So creativityaustralia.org.au, that charity with the With One Voice programs, mindmedicineaustralia.org, which is the charity around psychedelic-assisted therapies, and then my own website, which is Tanya Jong, T-A-N-I-A-D-E-J-O-N-G.com, and that's a... um. That's my personal website, and people can find lots and lots of information on there. All right, very good. Well, Tanya, thank you for coming, and thank you for all you do. It's really amazing what you're doing, so I appreciate you being here. No, thank you, Richard. Thanks for all you do, and hopefully we can talk further about the medicines and other exciting things next year, and we'll look forward to sharing your podcast further around the world. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.